As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's up, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Records That Rule. We stated earlier in our group text that rule is an actual important part of the title. Why? Because in today's featured album, it breaks all the rules. It shouldn't work. You're talking about a band that's, first of all, you got the drummer singing. You got screaming It's so energetic and heavy without relying on any type of, you know, stock, chugga-chugga, breakdown, syncopated double bass riffage. It doesn't rely on any of that, but it's still extremely aggressive. aggressive. And it's also extremely melodic. And it's very intense. And it's brought uh, brought to you by a band who considered themselves, and certainly at the time were proclaiming it, Like they were a Christian band, and this wasn't exactly, you know, the the most normal thing. Certainly in rock music and in that scene, and they actually kind of led away in back then. And they merged a lot of different sounds to create this one unique, weird sound. And to me, they were the forefathers of this new, what would we even call it, post-hardcore? Or- it's, it's weird. Um, for me, I always um, struggle with what to call this era of music. It's definitely, um, especially Under Oath. I don't know if you were ready to drop that name. <laughs> But Under Oath, dude, came from hardcore roots. They were in hardcore, like their upcoming, you know, was in hardcore. But they were doing a different kind of sound. So you can call it post-hardcore. It's fair to call that. But by this album, they were slowly coming apart from their hardcore roots. You know what I mean? The And then the scene was also drawing influences from under oath and not their hardcore roots so post post hardcore i don't post, know post hardcore who but knows i don't know dude but it's it's hard to kind of you know figure out what to call this album 
um, in terms of how to classify it, but I ain't scared of the word screamo, dude. It's screamo. Okay. It, it, we could, we could call it screamo, but I don't. I, but screamo, it goes a little bit more to me when you hear. I don't know, a little bit more. Even though lyrically, it really is more about relationships. It feels more. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't even know what to call it. That's emo. where we're stumped already. It's a little less emo <laughs> than it is screaming, and it has screaming, and the screaming sounds amazing. And even the fact that they switched singers then, and they had uh, another singer right before this album, and Spencer Dallas went into Taylor. this without, you know, any like real, uh, uh, you know. Uh, what do you call that? It's rehearsal and, no, and preparation. No, actually had the album written mm -hmm. before they got Spencer. So I'm wondering, do you think they, like, Dallas uh, Taylor, I think his name was, had any, um, like, he didn't have the vocal ability? To I, have, I have why, no why, idea. Why would they just switch singers in the middle of, right before they record? The album was ready to go. As a matter of fact, I think Dallas wrote one of the songs on this really? album. Yeah. Well, um, but, so. well, why don't we get into that? Because we haven't formally, formally announced <laughs> the actual album. album. We know we're, a band. We're talking, of course, about Under Oath and their album, They're Only Chasing Safety. Um, it's their fourth album. Wikipedia, which is what I'm looking at right now, classifies this as an American post-hardcore band. I mean, so, I, I'm not mad about that. Yeah, I think, I think that works. That. I think that works. Um so yeah well, and, well at and, least for this band like i said you have to have roots in hardcore to be a post-hardcore band in my opinion so yeah and you know and like they we definitely have those roots. they they blended all of this stuff man and it's really uh it is a little bit hard to figure out you know some of the information on it um it was you know it hasn't been like a pop mainstream album mm -hmm. or anything like that so you you don't get a lot of these crazy facts but you know so then why don't we go to the facts that we have? And that is mm -hmm. how we were introduced to the album and how we became fans. Basically, first impressions. So what are yours? Um, I have a very um, specific memory of this album. Just from my teenage years. I think I was 15 when this came out. Maybe 16, depending on what month. Um, my friends and I uh, went to Laughlin. And... I don't think I just had started learning how to drive and I knew the whole, I didn't want to go. My mom was like, we're going to go to Laughlin and you know, whatever. So we went and I didn't want to go because Under Oath came out and I wanted to go to the record store. I wanted to go to the record store, but whatever we went and we were coming back and I was like, Hey mom, can I come go to the record store? She's like, yeah, if you drive. So that was one of the first times I drove too. Nice. So she takes me to the record store. I fucking run in there cause I knew it was coming out. I already had been an Under Oath fan. I was an Under Oath fan. The, on the changing of times and then the album before that only certain songs from the album before that i knew but the changing of times fucking changed my life dude as that's probably a pinnacle for me for under oath so uh, this album i was stoked dude so we go to the record store and um i find it and fucking crazy enough um my chemical romance came out that same that same uh month so wow. I was like, oh, I had no idea. I was a fan of My Chem too, but not as big as Underworld. I, I loved Bullets from uh, My Chemical, their first album. So I was like, fuck it. I picked them both up. Um, I listened to My Chem on the way home because I wasn't wow. I wasn't a big fan. So I was what like, a I'll day. Just, yeah, dude. <laughs> so on the way home, I put on My Chem and we're just listening to it. And we're just like, this doesn't sound like, you know, the first Chem record that we, we were into. And I wanted, I was holding on to Underworld because I wanted that for myself. And I remember when I first put it on, dude, I knew... 
I was like, yo, this doesn't sound like Dallas, but this fucking singer is insane. Mm-hmm. The first that first track blew me the fuck away. Aggression, but without your standard metalcore chuggas, your standard metalcore breakdowns, double bass, all that crap. But it was fucking aggressive, dude. And then the singing and screaming together. They did it right. I think this album is definitely the bar for that scene. And the scene at the time, dude, was fucking... This sound was like flourishing. In 2004, mm-hmm. 2004... Excuse me. 2004, 2005, this scene was fucking... This sound was on top of the... On, there was. I think it was actually the last time that you were able to give a genre of music, um, like the of rock music, a word. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because after this, what happened? There was nothing left, right? So you got grunge, you got new metal, you know, you were able to tag it with something. This was the last time, probably even, no, nah, I don't want to say the well, beginning. Uh, well, try, to, try to think back since, since this 2004-ish totally era. On that one. No, 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 that, that was fine. Um, but to, like from around 2004, what what genres have come out of Dude. rock music since then right i mean there's been new genres of, of music in general i mean we had edm had the explosion yeah but that was uh, way and, later and then there was in rock music i can't really think of a whole lot where it kind of created this sort of new niche that created a serious serious movement and um yeah it was it was significant enough to call it something that's the thing yeah right new metal was significant enough to where they had to label it something yeah Right, so this sound—it wasn't was your dad's metal. It wasn't Iron Maiden. It wasn't Sabbath. It was this new it weird was, yeah, thing for kids. And and, and and the post hardcore. It wasn't the punk hardcore that we knew. The straight edge hardcore kind of scene. No, no, or right, nothing. Right. And it was its own thing. And um, you know, once when I was actually listening to the album, I I started to think about you know how this record does break rules and how it sounds so great and and it really combines a whole lot of things that it should everything about it says this is not supposed to work but it does but my initial thought of how why this album is so significant is because um there's there's certain records that you do love because they're not just a part of you but because you also feel that you're a part of them mm-hmm. and this record for to go into my first impressions and how I came to know this record, this is something that I definitely felt I was truly a part of, and I think it was one of the first where I saw the band before they were really the band. And although this is their fourth record, I didn't even know that. I knew that there this was at at least their second. I didn't know it was Early, their fourth. At least, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and, if you think about it, they lost their main guitar player. Um, no, actually, Tim already played on their last album. So at three, I think three new members were wrote on this album. You know what I mean? Or wow. were in this album. So they're kind of essentially a new band, pretty much, right? And so that's probably player. why it transformed so much. But yeah, uh, for myself, though, um, more so then than now. And you give me a lot of shit for this. And that is when something is new, when something is different, and my brain doesn't know how to process it. I say, uh-uh, fuck you. You're not Metallica. I don't like you. This is 100% <laughs> right? fucking percent the truth. And it's, it's actually... so irritating. It was so much worse back then. Oh. However... Fucking irritating. However, there was one aspect, and this is something about Underoath that absolutely no one can deny, is what happens live with them is it's just... How, did, how is there this much energy happening? How are these guys this chaotic and crazy... And I, 
you know, I was shown the album back then. I, I, it's some of these songs are hard to separate from the early stages of ETF, and I remember those local band shows that we were doing when we were first really starting, when I first got out of high school, and when all these kind of that things working our way. These were like the weirdest golden age kind of. There's just so much craziness of mm-hmm. of everything about what what was happening in our lives and we didn't see see, that's the thing though at that time for me music was all that mattered at that time oh yeah oh yeah and that's all mattered and going to shows play for you playing and writing music buying records watching mtv sitting there watching Uh, videos all day it was everything i'd I'd go to i'd go to work so i could buy more equipment or more albums exactly (laughs) and and it was like that's that's how it was back then and this album you know was shown to me uh, back then, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was probably Ronnie that showed me mm-hmm. at first, and uh, much like Blink 182, I wasn't really feeling it too much. I was like, I don't know about this whole screaming thing, and mm-hmm. it, it there was uh, there was a bunch of stuff like that was just not working with me. But I actually started to like it when uh, when when Michael showed me uh, mm. in his bedroom. He showed me the first song. What, what's it called? Is Young and Young Inspiring? Young and Inspiring, I think. Yeah. Dude, and I mean, what a what a title for for that song because That's a perf- yeah, right? Fuck, dude. And dude, Young and he played that in his room and bumped it because we we're gonna go see him like that day or like the next day. And I was like, Whoa, dude! This that's freaking energy. Went to the energy. show at Jillian's. Yeah. And their and their equipment was like there was some kind of power thing happening or I don't know there was something wrong so they had show. to pause a bunch of times in the set but it blew my freaking mind dude I was like wow they had the guitar player on top of the speaker jumping off and the keyboardist was like At I didn't even mention too. that as far as breaking the rules they had a freaking keyboardist oh, and dude, somehow that true. that was cool yeah and, the, and, and electronics dude like they had yep. fucking even electronics, electronics which is not supposed to and, like and when you hear it in new metal you hate it exactly right? and, and and at that time again I was much more closed minded um and Linkin Park was they were huge already at that time they were the only band that really seemed to be doing it right in terms of mixing some of the electronics and some of the hip hop EDM type of elements yeah. into it. But this wasn't that because mm-hmm. this was still raw and violent sounding mm-hmm. and just nasty. But it had those elements in there and it created its own thing. D- those elements did is just add to it. Like it didn't take mm-hmm. you out of it. To me, every time I hear the little, the little electronics in your ears it just pumped me up more oh yeah (laughs) it creates an atmosphere and it's not like a cheesy piano where you're like like, yeah yeah like oh now we got to give the keyboardist a solo because we got one yeah because we have a keyboardist and chris dudley who's he's a he's actually a really good friend of mine man we've had lots of Mm. awesome conversations and really honestly one of the best people not just in music but one of the best people i've ever met in life dude that dude is so freaking cool and on stage he looked like he was having the time of his life. So you'd have this guy just crazy. And this guy looked like a cheerleader. He makes, he makes fucking EDM artists look <laughs> like, suspect, man. He's he's, like, I'm going to press a button too, but I'm going to make it look like it's fucking Losing legit. his mind. And, and, and he was like, he was he was big too. Yeah, he was yeah, like, dude, he was fucking sick. He was, I remember. he was fat, but not like fat, fat. He was like kind of just really, really chubby. And he just looked like a jolly giant up fucking. there. And then rocking you, the fuck out. Then dude. Aaron, dude. Ah, oh, that's just. Dude, you want to talk about influences on on drumming? You want to talk about influences as a stage persona? As, dude, this guy. You said it earlier before we started that he hits so freaking hard. He dude. hits hard on every note. 
every hit, dude. And and then not only that, he's hitting and it's not affecting his vocals when he's singing live. At least you know when he's because he's he's the singer and mm-hmm. nobody knows. Well, he's the you know one of the singers and he's hitting so hard and fucking still singing. You know, oh, dude, it's, it's it was crazy. insane. So that impression, the the first initial impression, eh, maybe not my cup of tea, but the first impressions. Mm. When we go into like the so second like a, and third one, it was like a, a a journey for mm-hmm. you to get. It wasn't instant. It was. It was definitely slowly, a journey. Slowly, and then yeah. from there, once once I saw him live, it was game over. Dude. I was like, this band is. That's crazy. That's the first time you saw him live. That's as a matter of fact. I remember that show vividly at Jillian's, which is a You'll bowling alley. Mic, though, just to make sure. Which is a bowling alley, by the way. Where it was a bowling alley up top. They used to have shows up top, and yeah. then they brought them down to the where the arcade area is. Yeah. Uh, that was I remember that show because that was the first that was when that movie Sin City came out. Yeah. So we didn't have money, or well, we did have money, but the sold, the show, the show sold out. So Pat and I, my friend Pat, went to go watch um, Sin City, right? And then we came downstairs and we're like, dude, we gotta fucking find a way in here. There was the show still going on, and the security guard and me were like looking at each other because he knew what I was trying to do, right? And we're just fucking decided to sit down, right? No shit, a fight breaks out, like. Uh, at the entrance and we were at the back area all the security rushed to get break up that fight me and patches rush in literally right on time before underworld played it wow was perfect uh, that wow, was such that's a good like memory detroit rock city yeah, shit, dude, dude. Was legit. That... like that's that was what life was back then i remember one time me and my brother went to uh the roadhouse remember the roadhouse that's another mm-hmm. thing about that time the scene was flourishing there was all kinds of places to play at that time too mm-hmm. so we went to the roadhouse thinking we we're gonna go watch haste the day Right? And it was a total bait and switch. It was a local band. <laughs> oh, man. And we're like, what the fuck? No haste today, right? So we left that same night. Sayosin was playing Gameworks. We went to go watch Sayosin at Gameworks that same night. So that was oh, life wow. back then. It was just trying to find shows and records. Dude, and there's all these bands that have kind of become a, a little bit synonymous with the scene and with the, um, you know, kind of. Just, just these sort of legends of of the whole time. Some or, some like, of them went on, you know, and I think that's why, like my cam is held in such high regard with with what they did because um, to watch someone come out of of it's cri- yeah our they niche came out of and, there too and yeah. reach you know pop culture status mm-hmm. that sort of thing is so why crazy right uh, cult cult followings are created is and because not of even that like that I loved Underworld over the it was the Three Cheers. Really? That same album. Oh, Three wow. Cheers. Yeah, if you look it up, they both came out in June. I had no idea Mike Kim's album came out. Wow. I saw Under Oath. I'm walking down the aisle as you do in record stores, and you're like, oh, shit, Mike Kim? This is new? Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> Dude, and that's and that's where, like, I, 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 it's so hard to separate the fact that I feel like I was part of this record and part of helping this band become bigger and become, mm. you know, successful and that kind of thing and create a career for themselves and and all that and um didn't quite know it at the time but once we actually started touring we're on warp tour with and they, they were one of the the biggest draws and i remember we played and this was actually after they had released the the, the follow-up album which actually went even bigger which is crazy right um, that one was yeah. i bought it too i personally after they're only chasing safety i find the great line those because every single album because i go back to Undo from 2002 dude like from 99 to 2005 this sound was my shit and i was searching for something dude i was buying chevelle albums 
I was buying see their albums. I was buying, you know, remember that band Trust Company? Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I was just trying um, to find something to get into, but nothing was touching me like, you know, whatever, pastor stuff. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was just kidding. Nothing was, nothing was, I wasn't feeling anything. Remember uh, Sh- uh, Dead Z? You ever heard of a band yes. called Dead Z? Cher's Son? Yeah, I Did you know that? Yeah, Cher's son was the singer of Dead Z or whatever. So I was just buying all these albums, dude. And then, you know, obviously Under Oath comes out and I was in. I forgot where I was going with this. What were we talking about? We were talking about just becoming part of the movement. Yeah, yeah. So I was in, dude. I was 100% into this sound. Um, So I dive into Under Oath. The very first record is a straight, just early metalcore, like so primitive, but unapologetically religious. Like they literally have songs in the middle of it just screaming out loud like jesus christ i love you in the middle wow. of the song at the end there's a spoken word with aaron gillespie um just you know preaching and uh, or giving a sermon or whatever it was cool and then the second album is when uh chris dudley is that his name yeah they introduce him and then they go heavy on the synths and wow. then changes the times is what was officially my underworld i've always put that one on top just because that's probably purely on nostalgia but change um Chasing safety, though. Where am I going with this? Well, like we're trying to go with the scene here. So, since until so you figure out your thoughts, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is. <laughs> it's like lost my train of fell thought. Off. See that this is a problem I have, dude. Is I'll, I'll I'll tell you the story, but I have to give you so much context to get to the point. And yeah, by the time I get a, to my point, you forget the I point. I already forgot what it was. Yeah, sorry, man. Either either way, though, um, to to go off of of what you're saying, like. Um, it's interesting that that they're only chasing safety was not your discovery of them. That's no, obviously right. rare, and and most people don't have them. Most people discover them with this album. Right, and then when you when you you hear it and it doesn't sound anything like their first album, the one that got you into it, you usually don't want to do it. You know, you, uh, it's a growth. Usually disappoints yeah, you as a fan. And then you gotta listen more and more, and then you come around to it. No, this one was instant, instant from the very first track. It, was yeah. like, it does not sound like fucking changing of times, but. This is just as good, for sure, easily. Totally, dude. Well, then let's get into some of the standout tracks, then, because this is where I'm going to probably bombard you a little bit with some musical, technical uh, mumbo-jumbo about uh, just use the phrasing, because I don't know how else to describe it, right? (laughs) But, uh, you know, I, I think... There's there's singles be, and this is because this is a short album. This, oh, it's only dude. 34 minutes, um, and yeah, punching the gut. Especially now out, in my dude. 30s, like I don't got time. For I, don't this got time. <laughs> I don't got time, dude. This is like this was a warm up for my workout. Like and Jordan's like, 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 hey, check out yeah. this fucking crazy composition of uh, like Jordan's favorite songs start at the point when this album ends, mm. and it's like, yeah, I waited all day for that part. And yeah, now for that one part. Yeah, come exactly. on, man. But this one was like a punch in the gut, man. So. I think um, when when you talk about their 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 singles are the best ones. I mean, or or the hits anyway. Oh, I mean, wow, you have actually. you yeah. There is a, a Dallas uh, and that's the single. Yeah, there is one right there, and he went on to do Maylene. Maylene and Sunset yeah. Disaster, right, right. And so, yes, and that was reinventing your exit. Wow, that's crazy, right? Wow, which was you know. So that I, I, well, and they didn't play that song when I saw him. I don't remember. They didn't. I I do remember it because that was the one that I knew because that was playing getting played the most. So I knew that one, and they didn't play it. So I was kind of like, "What the hell, man?" But I think they had, or maybe they did that day. But I knew later on they mm. didn't, and it was one of those things where they didn't want to be like kind of that band. At least that's how I took it. They didn't well, want to be known as the pop. Yeah, single. no. And then I, I remember hearing interviews of that guy Tim, 
That's why yeah. they're sound. Well, that's what that's the point I was getting to with their albums sounding so different from each other, right? But until Define the Great Line, Separation, and then uh, whatever the other one, the last one, Oh, mm. they all sound the same to me. They sound the fucking same to me. It's weird. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like that weird guitar off yeah. time shit. Yeah, it all sounds the same to me. So I completely fell off. I mean, I listened to Define all the way through, and Separation. I started it, but. I, it didn't hit me the same way. So yeah. I don't know if it's I was growing out of the um, sound. I mean, or... there, there's also there's some sometimes some things just line up where it's like the sound has the songs, and then sometimes there's still the sound, but maybe mm. doesn't have the songs. Um, and you know that was probably but what was he, happening in Lost in the Sound of Separation. Well, and, that's what he was. He was that Tim guy was saying that he didn't want to write this kind of stuff anymore. Back to what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. And so they, I think they were those types of like huge choruses and then i think this is what separates this from all their other records is this is the one that has the humongous anthemic choruses and but they're dude they're so not like in the box pop like dude there's like weird drum shit happening weird chords you got screaming happening but it's so freaking catchy so let i mean let's use a song as an example you talk about young and aspiring let's just go off that one because okay. we both agree on this one so that was your first impression but how do you even describe this song how i know energy is one word right it starts off super aggressive and then the song is lyrically it's just to me is about frustration at least because it's hard to distinguish what their songs are about sometimes and it starts off you know you're a teenager too you can be frustrated about any number of things, you know, and the song starts off with like, let's so let's not even try. Let's ball it up and mm-hmm. throw it out the window, but screaming off the top of his lungs with anguish, dude. It wasn't like, you know, trying to sound cool or guttural. It just sounded like he was in the fucking pissed about something and he was just screaming and throwing Dude, ah, dude. I, like just that I can't even, explain just it. Just that <laughs> even beginning, like oh my god. So, so let's not even I'm in. I'm Oh I'm dude, done. I was just like, this isn't this isn't because I had no idea um, that Dallas wasn't in the band anymore, you yeah. know. So I'm like, this isn't, or if it is, he's gnarly, you know. And I look for the liner notes and whatever. Dude, but. and and that song, like I was saying, it kind of breaks all the rules because it it shouldn't work. It has it has a lot of like chemical like components that don't seem to really make sense together. But don't they fit though? It, it fits. It fits. It all works for some reason. And I, this I, is actually to me probably one of the first albums where the screaming and singing fit perfectly. Oh, dude, where it's not corny. Exactly. Because a lot of the times and I feel like everybody in the scene inspired aspired to do this album again. Yes. To just recreate it. And that's that's what I was And it got say. corny. Because where people were like freaking singing their hook you know whatever the lyric is you know and then then scream that same lyric at the end that's yeah that's not and then and then scream scream some of the verses and then you sing the chorus and and sing the chorus yeah and it was just a formula that people were starting and i think and and i think that's why this this album and this band separated themselves um because nothing felt contrived about it nothing felt like it was every single song on here sounded different it yeah and it was was like no formula they were following but yet they were they fit together totally themselves somehow and and it was crazy to me that this was working and and like i said they're they sound aggressive they don't sound metal no they don't sound i would never i would never been a metal kid and 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 i and i was still feel this aggression and, and i was i would never you know try to call it metal but it was aggressive. It was very, very aggressive. And, you know, I was saying to you before uh, we started, watching them on the reunion shows where they were doing uh, the two albums, this one and Define the Great Line, 
watching that and and looking so. into the crowd looking around i'm air drumming every part uh. and seeing just everyone else air drum and how there's parts in this song in particular feeling free feeling free like it's like the catchiest thing where the whole crowd sings it's one time it's one time it's not a repetitive chorus over right. and over it's, it's one time and you wait dude. for that moment and, and there's this explosion that, when it happens exactly dude so, exactly you when you repeat that? the same thing on every fucking chorus you're taking away the magic you got to look for those moments with these kind of albums dude you you just like there's another one that's just coming to my head right now and it's not on this level but i love it it's called on broken wings the, that band has this moment where you clap there's like literally just one or a double clap on a song it's like a drum roll and then you never hear it again forever those wow. kind of moments don't have don't happen in records anymore because if you find something that works people want to repeat it over yeah and over. that's why you get album bands that just have like literally a breakdown is the whole album Oh, dude, totally. Break totally. down, break down, break it down even slower. Melodic chorus. And then let's just yeah. break it down even slower. And, and that's and that goes even more into that sort of rule breaking. Breakdowns in there. Too? It had breakdowns, but not like metal Obvious. metal yeah. breakdowns. And the that's chugga. that's where I all you know to go into that technical things. It doesn't have the syncopated tight rhythmic breakdown things, which at that time. It was still it was it wasn't like a uh, normal thing. It was still very new to do that's, even that. And that's what I mean. And, and, it was and there was dude. there was what was I still. like about it now. What holds up to it now that keeps it fresh is that when I think of aggression, I don't think like necessarily like let's drop the guitars even lower and tuning and let's do this and this and then scream. It's like there's a uh, energy that you just feel when you hear it, mm -hmm. and there's no riffs. There's no, no there's right. nothing like when you hear an ACDC part, you're like, album. when you hear an ACD, <laughs> yeah, there's no riffs. It's the opposite it? of do what you, you do like. Do you know any distinguishable riffs? No, I, you know, head? some of the guitar parts like, right. but, but you would even then struggle to call it uh, a, a riff, riff, right? You know, and, right. and yet the guitars are still very important and loud in your face and they're nasty, dude. They're just mm. this ugly sound that's like somehow really pretty and works and that's exactly that's that's another point i was gonna make is that this album is aggression aggression with but pretty parts but really pretty parts you know there's mm -hmm. another track um uh what's it called it's dangerous business walking walking whatever. out your front door yeah there's this part on there um, at the very end or, or like a right before it ends is where the the choir comes in drowning in my oh my god well, who does that <laughs> that's like what is and it's that? not even like they repeat it again on another song or anything. They just have it right there. Yep. You're just like, dude, where did this part come from? And it works, dude. It's dude, so and yeah, like that's that's another song that you know you want to talk about. It's dangerous business walking out your front door. That was uh, that was one of the I guess singles that had a music video too. Did it? Which yeah, and oh, they're kind of like in the snow it. or something. Oh fuck. And I'll, I will I'll, say though, this dude, era though, as much as I love this era. And this is like, when you say you're a metalhead, yeah. I know what you mean, you know? But this was my era. I don't know what you would call me, a fucking emo kid, whatever. You're I don't an emo care. kid, I guess. I never did the swoop hair or anything. But this era, videos were terrible. Terrible, terrible. All of terrible. them were the worst terrible. fucking videos. Terrible, I, and Reinventing I, Your Exit was it, the worst video I've ever it, seen in my life. We're, we're cringeworthy. We're, we're talking about this album because we love it. But yes, we have to be honest. <laughs> that th that video, at least, like, let's pull it up, dude. Fuck this. Let's 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 look it up. I watched it last night. But it, the reason why, though, the reason why, um, 
is because you're looking at independent labels and independent bands mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that you know you're you're dealing with no budget and they're just like okay well this dude has a camera and then it's supposed to be cool and then I, the band was probably mad at each other and there's six mm. of them and they're like this is stupid well we got to release it well mm. not gonna be Say, that's kind of cool that you have like a actual life experience with it yeah yeah um you know what's crazy though one thing i want to maybe ask you about is this stuff there it is yeah look see in the oh, snow yeah stuff. it looks so as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Check. 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 Looks like it's working. Check. I'll leave it here Check. then. We had, we had a bit of a system overload on the... Um, um, on the audio so it froze so it might come in choppy and a little weird and not fluid let me well that would be a good point to put a, a commercial right there oh that works no i just want to ask a question though because this sound the screaming post-hardcore sound has been around for a long time right maybe you could tell me why all of a sudden did the labels get better distribution or what but all of a sudden this stuff was everywhere but they were all on seemingly independent labels trust kill records solid state records tooth and nail records victory records um there's there's so many but they were independent right yeah seemingly but they were they were the last fucking this was rock's last stand to me in my opinion this was the last time rocks had balls and then it disappeared um and actually you know there's 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 still a lot of successful rock artists since then for sure i mean there's there's artists that came out after that that went into arenas and such but um i think the, there was just a golden age then dude i think there was a lot of labels that were making a lot of money i think um in those early 2000s there was a climax in record sales yeah, um, yeah, CDs were cheap to produce, and that's when they were selling the most of them. That's when every every too. week they were they were breaking records, even in the pop market and stuff. You had Eminem breaking the first week record, that's and then true. all of a sudden the next week you had Britney Spears breaking, and then the next week NSYNC was breaking it. Music and, was selling, and mu music was selling a lot more. So they were able to do these things, and um, a big part of it, though, a big part of it, is the internet. The internet started to become prevalent and mm -hmm. you had MySpace, so you were able to track these bands that that your one hipster friend you knew 
that that was following and, and trying to discover. I was trying shit, to get Mike. Right? I was trying to get you. I was yeah. trying to get everybody onto this sound. Yeah. I remember I showed Mike uh Haste the Day maybe. He goes, uh oh, sounds pretty brutal, dude. And that's it. Wow. <laughs> a year later, Haste the Day t shirt. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, right, exactly. Whatever, man. And so you had you had all these bands <laughs> that that were um you know they were easier to discover and we were it was a lot easier to find out who was playing where it was such you a know fun, if you weren't yeah, at the dude. venues getting the flyers then you didn't know what was happening absolutely so yeah. then now you had the internet and you're in myspace like oh who's coming oh i'm gonna go see this band and this mm-hmm. band and like now it you wasn't like at our school it was like probably like 20 of us that were like yeah. super into this kind of stuff music in general. um yeah. so if it, it you know now we were able to let the other 20 kids around town know about mm-hmm. these shows and everyone else was kind of, we were creating our own scene. And so now mm-hmm. there was 2000 of us that were creating this. And now then going up to 4,000 where everyone had their favorites and were supporting these bands where as, as before, no one would have known no one would have known about these things. So it was probably the internet. If I were to guess yeah, sure. um, that was making these sort of things happen. And so a band like under oath would, would have done a lot better that then you know they may have a couple years before and it made it made a lot of bands money and and mm. you know i remember Got talking to my bus driver time. in uh my bus driver in europe he 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 looked like a just kind of out of shape uh, rod stewart but he was always smoking he's like hey mate you know I drove Queen around on Pink Floyd. Yeah, Freddie Mercury. Yeah, lovely lad. He made a proper cup of tea. <sighs> you blokes wouldn't have been on a bus in the 70s. I'm like, really? He's like, oh, no, mate. You either were in a van touring or you were on a bus playing stadiums, mate. I'm like, One really? or the other. Yeah, and, and the reason why was because like, touring, you didn't make money on touring. You only made money to promote the record and you made money on record sales mm-hmm. so that's why there was a lot more of the party you well, know hotel trashing shit back then than there was later on because bands were able to make livings touring now because of the internet because I mean, of there's that always scene. been there's always been touring though i would disagree uh, with course. you with that because you gotta give it up to the first original hardcore bands like one of the biggest black flag literally paved they would go to towns that nobody was going to and starting scenes there. So they would go and play at some weird town that nobody was going to. Kids would get influenced and inspired by that. Boom, they got a scene in that town. Move on to the next one. And then they left that road paid for the next band to come in. That's amazing. So you got to give credit to those first hardcore bands that were first touring. Minor Threats, the Black Flags, the fucking Husker Dues, Fugazis, early Fugazis. Because they kept touring. Like Henry Rollins is quoted on on an interview saying, if we didn't tour, we didn't eat. Wow. So you got to give them that credit for and paving then, the road and, for So, so then, like you know, to answer the, the, the question is why did this scene seem to sort of take off? Um, the biggest reason that I could think of, Warp Tour. Mm. And Warp Tour was creating a, was a, a, a place for these. Uh, it was right. creating an avenue for all these types of artists that otherwise, you know, like you said, they're playing, you know, three, four people. Yeah. <laughs> Create a scene, you come back, there's maybe twenty or thirty. Right. And and that takes years and years and, and you make a little bit of money enough to get to the next town and that, that kind of thing. And now Warp Tour allowed something special Thousands to happen because now it's like it's literally as easy as walking by and like, Whoa, what yeah. is this? It like catches your ear. And it hooks you in. Now you're there. And I remember those early days when we were on Warp Tour. We played. I'll, I'll never forget in Tampa, Florida. 
um, there was literally like five people watching us. And I don't know if they, I don't even know why they were watching us. We didn't have any fans. Maybe they somehow heard of us on MySpace. Who knows? <laughs> By the end of it, we had this huge crowd. Tampa, Florida? Uh, I don't know. Some, somewhere in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they was up there. And, and I, I did I, it from Ocala, but whatever. Something like that. And I remember that. And um, I, that that's how it was almost every day. And it was like, wow, we created bands just now. Because you have all these different bands that can maybe sell 100 tickets in a town. When you have four or five bands that can sell two to 3,000 in every town. Put them all together. Now you have anywhere between... Eight to, to fifteen thousand yeah, yeah. people at this at this place, and a lot of them are young and they're open to music. Mm-hmm. They they want to listen to new shit. They're, they're not, not old and jaded. They're not me, <laughs> and and so they they're like down and check stuff out. And then you hear a band that's like, oh, there's under oath. they're rad. Holy crap! Look how energetic they are. Yeah, and their crowd. Who under, was there for them? And, and under oath was designed for Warp Tour. They meshed everything they they meshed the the you know pretty emo sounding vocals they had the aggressive screaming so you could you could have a a pit while they played um there was aggression so there there was definitely energy while they're playing that's why that the term was coined the warp tour sound Mm -hmm. that was coined because of bands and and when you have um daylight they didn't need production yeah they didn't need lights. They didn't no. need spectacle because they were the energy. Right. And they they were built perfectly for Warp Tour. And they succeeded at it. And that's why they built their following. And that's how we were able to, you know, for us, even though we were hearing it before they were on Warp Tour, this is how a lot of other people were able to hear it. And that's why the scene, as you said, kind of took off and created a life of its own. And I, I man, I discovered so many bands that I never thought I'd like because of Warp Tour, and yeah. that, that's crazy, man. R.I.P. So, <laughs> R.I.P. For real. For I went real, to the man. last Warp Tour. That there's something to be said about that. Yeah, and and that shows you right there. I You're an old ass dude, man. I had to go. <laughs> I had to go because, um, yeah, it was the last Warp Tour. So Warp Tour was so important. You got You got to go. I don't care how jaded you are. And I'll move. Uh, I'll move on to the next. Uh, we'll have a shorter discussion about this actually, and that is your favorite lyrics. I struggle with. This one with Underworld, especially. I don't know what I've never been a lyric guy. Like talking to you, you get so into lyrics. Oh, yeah. For me, is if I don't relate to it, like in one way or another, I kind of just kind of the lyrics kind of go over my head. Mm-hmm. So listening to Underworld, there's parts and stuff that I can relate to, but for the most part, I have no idea what the fuck their songs are about. Dude, I've never had an album that i know every single word to right and i have absolutely it it does nothing to me right um, in an emotional or any type of way any kind of way i mean uh, it's weird the only what lyric is, is from that first song young and inspired because it just speaks to frustration you know where it yeah. says this is um what so let's not even try you're right mm-hmm. let's follow it up and throw it out the window that's basically my only lyric that i can think of that i fucking absolutely love maybe because of the delivery of it yeah or what but that's no, but I mean, there, the there's album. there's lyrics throughout the whole album that we could recite, and Absolutely. you wait for that moment. But what what is he talking about? What does it mean? I don't. I, sometimes maybe it goes to say that they're using a lot of phrases and stuff that sound catchy and stick out with their delivery. But maybe it's it's I don't know. Maybe it's it's just not really telling the story enough to really get your attention, or maybe it's just because they don't have a lot of the long verses where. 
the mm. chorus is the moral of the story You're right and, and then the verses are going to tell that the journey. has something to do i feel like it maybe it has something to do with the screaming you can't scream a full verse yeah no you can't it has to be a couple lines you know yep, especially the way they were doing the it the way and, they were doing it right and from from what you know jessica my wife to those people listening um which she described because she's a huge fan of this album and changing the time. She was like you. She actually she was she was oh, like that. Yeah. She would discover shit before anyone else, and mm -hmm. so she already knew Under Oath and she before this album. And what she told me. And Does she hate changing the times now. No, no, she I still likes it. I was gonna say, it. did you brainwash her? And no, no, ruin no, it she's, for her? no, she <laughs> still <laughs> likes it. But from what her explanation, she was saying that a lot of the lyrics on this have to do with Aaron's like relationship. Maybe maybe going through a breakup or something. Oh, okay, maybe I don't, I don't know, know who writes the lyrics. Um, because I I thought young and inspiring from the research I've done was about like an eating disorder that um um Chamberlain Spencer had. Oh, man, I I I have no idea. I don't idea. see how. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a lyric guy, so I can't. I can't quote on. I have. I have no idea, but I'm like I'm homies with all these guys, and I would. I'd feel weird going up to like, yo, man. Did you have an eating disorder? What's this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, do you have heart, heart yo, problems? Yo, I, I heard this album was about your your breakup, dude. You want to tell me about it? Like, no, you can't. You, do you that. know what I mean? No, well, maybe, ridiculous. maybe one day. Uh, I'm sure we'll we'll cross paths again. Um, but yeah so there it's a weird thing to say that i love all the lyrics on it but yet i don't really I, nothing really connects the dots for I me mean, in terms of you know what, what these songs are about what i will say is is a testament to their songwriting or whatever but there's a lyric and i'm not a religious person but at the very end the last track where it's like that acoustic soft number and then it's mm -hmm. like and jesus what is it Let's... i'm ready to come home yes home. yes and then the guy starts screaming. Oh, dude, it's so fucking powerful. Yeah, man. and that's that, that's at the end, regardless of what it's saying. But like I said, if even if I can't relate to it, I just it's just and that so that's insane. the only the only song. And and for uh, it's weird because uh, at some point we're gonna cover a couple thrice albums for sure. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, they were never they never called themselves a Christian band. Thrice never did. I actually was but, shocked. But they made a lot of christian songs and, you and pointed, they didn't you, claim it you pointed did. it out to me and i'm like holy fuck this is totally a christian mm -hmm. song yeah and i've then, never you know, actually associated them with that during their so-called hiatus uh, um dustin did go on and he was created his own church and was like a minister oh, and that kind sure? of thing oh yeah oh, damn. and so they definitely i'm sure and, and the way i look at it there's definitely a lot of um you know christian like certainly influence if not direct you know context that's one of thing i'll say in, about in thrice music. I was thrice under oath normal gene all these bands were like christian bands but to me they didn't make it corny like i know a lot of people who like hardcore who purposely didn't listen to this stuff simply because it's associated with christianity which is absolutely fucking arrogant or ignorant but the way they did it though didn't make it bad like like strifer was that that bad? Striper. Striper? Did that that was bad, wasn't it? That uh, was like obnoxiously religious. I, I actually don't know a whole lot about them except that I have a guitar downstairs signed by them that my grandpa had Sick. when they played Speaking Rock in El Paso. But what I'm saying is there, this scene didn't make it obnoxiously religious, which was perfect. And you know, I was listening to an interview uh, from Aaron on um, the, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, a great, great podcast. Um, what's his name from... Um, you know what I'm talking about with he interview lead singer syndrome with Shane from Oh uh, Shane told yeah 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 they uh they had a a lot of um 
he was saying a lot of it he tried to to do more of actual like almost gospel type music and that kind of thing aaron as a solo Mm. thing but it is very difficult because you know if you're when you're christian and you're trying to listen to christian music you want it to be like you want it to be perfect like christ you and and you know he said it himself in the interview like i'm not perfect man and so it was a lot of pressure to try to live up to that and um under oath's music um they they proclaimed it they proclaimed on stage they did, right. and although they've they've dropped the moniker now because there's a, a at least one or a few members where that don't necessarily feel that 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 is their calling so they've dropped the moniker since then but back then that's also another thing that i was saying breaks the rules that they made see, it they made so it difficult with me with the rules for you because to use you're saying rules because you're looking at rock yeah, exactly royalty. Well, but the, when the, you what, what i grew up believing was supposed to this is what badass right. is for me i was you don't have no go, rules i was going to hardcore shows there are no rules so there was preaching in between sets so when when uh a band was a vegan straight edge band they were in the between songs preaching and scream and you know giving mm-hmm. soliloquies on vegan straight edge so i didn't see underworld as, as any different you know, I didn't see Underworld going up there and start talking about yeah. Christianity any different from the other other parkour bands. So there are no rules is what I'm saying. Yeah. And so it wasn't me, weird to me that they were doing that. And, and to me, like when I look at like maybe pop music or, or the, you know, the the what makes a great metal band or. or yeah, because like I didn't never heard music like this. This mm-hmm. is aggressive. Right. So anything that was aggressive was metal. And mm-hmm. um, so this didn't fit into. Your what, rules. Well, my rules, Your my rules, my personal book. ones. And so, yeah. Burn that thing and, away. And that's what I loved about it. And they didn't make, uh, they would go on stage and they didn't make it corny. Something about the way they delivered um, actually, you know, inspired a lot of people. And, and oh, that, that's yeah. that's really cool. And they had a, a movement there and they were part of a, of a movement, as you said. Where that's why I'm not bands. scared to call them a post-hardcore band because they still have those ethos, those hardcore ethos. Yeah. And they were still preaching in between. You know, in between songs and a lot of hardcore bands have been but, doing that, but, even all the way back from the Minor Threat days. Um, so to close off on, I guess, what we saw as the uh, lyrics and the, the featured tracks, but the last song, Some Will Seek Forgiveness, Others Escape. That one is, um, it, it's it's straight up. There's no, there's no mm-hmm. hidden, mm-hmm. there's no mm-hmm. trying to be poetic about it. It's, it's you know. And it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, uh, and, and it's and really me, beautiful. Me being, um, you know. I'm not a religious person. Still saw the beauty in that track. So. Yep, and especially, a testament to Under Oath. For and sure. and I think um, you, we described when you sent a playlist which started with Young and Aspiring. Yeah, I had to start. Um, you talked about how it's passion, and even if it's something that doesn't necessarily fit into what your, your thing is or your lifestyle, when you know someone's speaking from heart and from what what's real, you feel it and you feel it in that song. And it, and it's not the same as the other ones packed with energy. Mm-hmm. This one's like, yeah, that one's chill. a total downer. Yeah, for sure. Weird way to end the album. And I love that though. I honestly don't think I've ever heard that song until today. Really? You never yep. made it all the way through the album? I think, I think so because, poser. and I know every song too. I'm looking at them. Um, there's 10, poser. but for some reason I don't know that one. I know everything up until really? that one. That's insane. Dude, hmm, this is weird. A, this is, 10 tracks let's to, to go to the other um so um you know the other segment is how is this album aged yeah i think this album this album i don't know if it's nostalgia or no it's not because i still listen to this i listen to this every at least twice a year and with the rate that music is coming out today and the amount of music that 
you know, it's pumped in our faces every day. Twice a year is a lot. So I don't think, I don't it know. Is. I think it's aged pretty good, especially for that era. Because there's still bands coming out with screamy, you know, post-hardcore sound. Well, post-post-post-hardcore sound. And I still think that this is the pinnacle, the bar for that that sound. Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Um, I said this to you before we started as well. Was I believe that this is the record that almost all the other ones wanted to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly from that time. Um, since then, the the breakdown, Chugga Chugga, became more prevalent. Oh God, and dude. now who knows what's happened. There's so, there's so much blended together now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to really define uh, any scenes in rock mm-hmm. music. It, there are, they exist, but it's really such well, a crazy melting pot like of everything. At the beginning of this, dude, like, this is the last time, uh, especially the media was able to coin something, something, mm-hmm. something, something, yeah. uh, a genre or a, whatever's happening. They were able to coin this and they called it emo, right? Yeah. Mall emo um, for people like me, because <laughs> this is like the fourth generation of emo. I know you disagree, Mr. Fucking. No, you're a fucking hipster. <laughs> this was. <laughs> um well, since we went into that discussion of emo, I don't even know what really emo is then, because there's so many different variances I mean, of it. It's yeah. so there's so many. It's the same thing where like when you said what's punk. Yeah. Well, do you know like for Jordan, punk is melodic, you know, um, rancid. You know, what I mean, no effects. Yeah. That's punk to him. So it's just different. I just yeah. think there's there's. I'm gonna use the e word, dude. Evolution of music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's just different eras and that's why i like calling things waves like first wave emo second wave emo third wave emo. yeah because that's just the best way of describing things so i mean a lot of people don't like to categorize music and put genres on things because it feels especially bands because it feels like it limits them yeah like if you put an emo tag on something now the guy who likes thrash is not going to go listen to that simply because it has the emo tag yeah i totally get it but when I make it a playlist and I want to make an emo playlist, I don't want to have a thrash song or a hip hop song in my emo. Absolutely. You know what I'm trying to say? Oh, so dude, I so tried weird. to put on Biggie after. <laughs> I was like, what? Biggie after what? <laughs> after this album. Oh, I was no, like, you can't. I was like, because I was working out to this this morning. And yeah, then I was like, what am I going to listen to? I, but I listened to, to uh, Biggie this morning just randomly. Mm. And then I'm like. <laughs> so you know then i went to take it back sunday and they kind of flowed together oh and yeah they're sort yeah, of yeah. same feeling there's a feeling you get and, yeah and i don't think genres is a bad thing i i, I kind of like it i kind of like the idea of cultures and different feelings that are that are being presented and That's that kind I'm of thing and um cultures. yeah and, and so it's i think it, I, I think it's, it's the, beautiful i like, really do i don't think of thrash metal as a as a genre i think of it as a culture yeah you know, yeah, punk rock is a lifestyle. I think what happens with bands is when they get called something that that's not their goal. You no, know, right? That's when they get like offended or something. But I, I think under oath, like you know, to close off the what's age the best. I, I believe that um, when I look at all these albums that we've been talking about lately, is how just n- not in the box they were. Like how they the drums were so crazy. Um, they weren't fast. He wasn't playing fast, but you knew he was a great drummer. Oh yeah. He was dude. playing in halftime. He was technical, but he didn't sound like a nerd. And it was like it was it was crazy. It was nothing about any of this is cliche. Mm-mm. But yet, um, everything to point became it all cliche out, after this, perhaps. But to, there to there are personally. things that what what aged the best is you know is that up there is the Joker, 
the aligning of planets there's just something that just happens at that moment that makes sense that works like the you know always talking about the dark night and i point out the joker like that performance was one of a kind and there's something that things align that you try to replicate it doesn't work for some reason and with this with, is what i argue with you all oh i time. love it well it's because it's it's the best examples i know for I you if, it, if it's not painted by fucking <laughs> michelangelo no one should try that's your opinion <laughs> <laughs> i'm old but uh <laughs> but this one this one has that weird planets aligning like yeah, no, just for sure. it, it, a lot a lot of things that might be cool on their own maybe don't work together with this or this but for some reason these no, all work together they and, definitely and capture awesome. something because within the band the special plan, the plant the planets aligned within them and then within the scene aligned and it's just like a perfect yes pot of fucking soup <laughs> yes perfect it was just perfect dude. perfect just perfect. perfect storm and yeah, that, that was awesome so i mean i'm good with this one if you are that's that's um actually let's do one last thing yeah. um is what would make this better i hate that question too because how how do you answer that 10 tr- every band from now on fucking should only come out with 10 fucking tracks enough with the 16 track bullshit <laughs> 10 tracks this album 10 tracks um fucking every best pretty much all my albums in my top 10 are 10 tracks 10 tracks is perfect keep it at 10 tracks everybody yeah <laughs> unless unless, unless you get, got a hidden track unless they're really long songs unless let's, let's yeah. well yeah that, that's well, eight <laughs> well yeah their first two albums uh, underworld's first two albums like the first one had like six songs but it was 55 minutes long. Whoa. And then the second one had five songs and it was 45 minutes long or something like that. Yup, yup. So. And so this one, um, what might make it better? As I said before, um, I don't think, I don't think I've gotten to the last the last one, the last song. Um, there is, a, I think once you get to the ninth song, there is just not as slamming. Really? Uh, normally, normally, there's albums that have those songs and then you'll still have five more after it but i think the first wow that's shocking 90 percent of the album Dude, the first, is is like insane i, I look at the so, album divided into two the first five tracks right mm-hmm. powerful track five is an instrumental it's that beautiful shit right yeah so it's like calming you down getting you ready yeah. for the second track and what happens is a countdown four three two ah <gasps> yeah this on track six one of the best tracks that's the second half of the album dude i think it's perfect i i, I yeah it's perfect yeah, I, you, I mean but you're, see, you're probably thing. right you're probably that's right that's the thing though like when you're when you're a kid that music there's a certain window in your life where music is everything right yeah like from like 14 to like 17 18 years old where that's your life this everything every band you fucking discover is like gonna be with you forever for you it was like metallica and this and that ian was motorhead or whatever for me it was these bands under oath taking back sunday the, the entire years. scene was. that was my yeah i was from, from 99 i was like 13 to 2005 i was 18 or something like that yeah that so this was my scene this was my shit that's why when you guys have arguments about you know the big four i'm a i like i love history i love the scene the the history of scenes and how things happen so i'll get into those conversations but i really have nothing to say yeah you know i mean jordan's an idiot for <laughs> fucking putting lamb of god in his big four 
<laughs> that's just that's, I digress. That's stupid. That's stupid. You could be the biggest la- Lamb of God fan in the world, but they're they're not the big four of thrash. Get well, what I was what I was getting with that um, with that whole rant is that to me this stuff was perfect. Ten tracks was perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, like you said, that the and Justice for All was perfect for you. This is my yeah, thirty thirty five minutes and fifty seconds. I mean, there's not really there, there's not a lot of fat to trim. Um, I find that that will be probably the biggest thing that comes out of of this question when we're going to be talking about all these albums. Normally, I I find that the answer, I'm guessing, will be, you know, trimming the fat. Some songs that maybe didn't need to be there or maybe it just ran just a little too long. That will probably be the thing that that will be the answer to most of these. This one doesn't have any fat to trim. I literally was and, about to and, throw a chair at you if you said there was fat on this. There, there isn't. So it, it almost went there. That's what I was trying to say. It almost went there. Around but nine. then I realized, I know this song. I know all these parts. And I love them. And they played it live. And I was stoked. And I air drummed to it. And then it was over. Yeah. And the album was over. So I was like, Did it oh. leave you wanting more? No, because it was right there at it, that it, tip. I, I was satisfied. Right, <laughs> I was right, satisfied. Dude, exactly. But I, I wasn't leaving wanting more. And I didn't feel like... All right, I'm ready to change this. I was like, nice. But see, like you, as a final thoughts, basically, let's just wrap this up. But you, as a Christian, is this a Christian album? Besides that one, la- that final line. Um. Well, I mean, I, I, I really, I, 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 I. That's what I was saying earlier with like thrice, where it feels like their music is more Christian. I could be wrong, but the from what I'm hearing, interpreting in these lyrics, is a lot of them are diverged or. Um, it came from like a, a Christian like base, mm. and it's it feels like I I'm hearing it a lot more. And this one it feels like you know, you know, young person dealing with life, and it's mm. not necessarily except obviously for the last song, which is clear. Um, other than that, it doesn't feel like a Christian record. Um, you think that's why. I- it- had a lot of six well this actually wasn't the successful one, right? It was the one after that. That's why I say this was like a a Christian band. And they proclaimed it on stage. Of course, right. But they weren't. This wasn't necessarily a Christian album, right? Uh, that's that's that was the way I took it away. And and either way though, it's it, it was still felt very powerful. And again, I can't. Uh, the lyrics didn't really somehow stick with me, which is weird, even mm. though I know all of them. So it's it's crazy. It's I, crazy. I do want to say is um, whoever put this album out should put a vinyl reissue because I looked online, the fucking vinyl for this is going for one hundred eighty five dollars. Oh my gosh! So someone should put uh, put a reissue out, please. Wow, dude, please. I would hella own. Then I got a box of vinyls I need to hang up back there. Uh, but yeah, so I guess uh, that'll do it then. I mean, I guess my final final thought is this is a great record. This is super influential. Uh, Aaron Gillespie. Um, I could hear even when I listen to the records when I'm playing live. Sometimes there's this one specific thing, or there's two actually that he does. One is he'll do fills where he. Those I had to go sick break a boom and mm. I do that all the time and sometimes when I'm we're playing them live and I do that, I think of them. I'm like, <laughs> Oh yeah, remember you gotta hit hard. So I actually yeah. think of Underworld while I'm on stage. And then uh other one is like when he he'll do feels like with a snare Durr. Like he doesn't go like he'll do a lot gun. And there's just that little bit that it's it's a style. It's stuck out to me. That's sick. And and that's uh is a huge influence. So this band was a humongous influence on me, a humongous influence on my band and uh huge influence on my life in general. And so I, I do love it. I think it's in that sweet spot and it's one of the rare albums that I say is like 
a great a truly great album that never really got the recognition when you when you think of like Numbers. greatest of all time list this one i don't think will make a rolling stones list or anything like that no, but but so it's for me sad it belongs there i think i mean who knows maybe if rolling stones around when well fuck people our age are the writers now so who knows maybe it will it's possible the top thousand list albums to listen to before you die yep for sure all right good to go then it's been uh records that rule and this one does and it breaks my set of what I thought were the rules. <laughs> Under oath. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.